Good morning and Merry Christmas. It is good to be with you this morning, and for those of you that are joining us online, we welcome you and are honored that you have decided to share your morning with us. Our children have always been preacher's kids, PKs. My husband and I met at seminary and both of us in ministry, so our children have really never known any other life. One year, we uh, attended a ministry conference with other ministry families, and for the first time, our five-year-old daughter met other PKs. And she found out there that the going rate for being mentioned in the sermon was $3. And she quickly informed us that we as her parents had been terribly, terribly negligent. Now since we rarely discussed our kids in our sermons, we agreed to the $3 deal. About the time she was nine years old, the price had risen to $5. And by the time she was 14, well, you don't have enough money to pay a teenager to let you talk about them in your sermon. <laughs> Nobody does. And now my children are all grown up and they have their own churches and even though they solemnly promised me that they always watch their mama's sermons online, I feel it's pretty safe that I can tell a story about my kids this morning for free. <laughs> I was the pastor of a church when uh, my children were very small, and it was time for the annual children's Christmas play. Now that was a major event in our church and in the life of the children that participated. This particular year, our four-year-old son finally got a speaking part. He was so excited to be like his big sister and have real lines to say and memorize. He was going to be a Christmas angel. He loved his part, and for weeks he practiced, and he went everywhere dramatically reciting his lines, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. He said it with authority, with feeling, and in many, many different ways. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. He was a bit of a ham, and he rehearsed his part perfectly to everyone he met, from the sales clerk at Target to the Jehovah Witness missionary on our front porch. Everybody got to hear it. And he knew it cold. Until the night of the play. There is something about the pressure of a spotlight. So on the big night, when the big moment came for him to step into the spotlight with all those expectant faces looking intently at him, the big moment came. And he said, glory to God in the highest. And how did the rest of that go? And so he backed up, but he tried it again. Glory to God in the highest. And he backed up, and he tried it a third time. And everybody leaned forward in the audience, and an expectant hush came throughout the entire room. Glory to God in the highest or I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. <laughs> well, so much for peace on earth. But I'm thinking that he got it at least partially right. While Christmas news doesn't huff and puff and blow houses down, the Christmas news is standing outside most of the time 
wanting to get in. More often than not, the door seems bolted. Outside the door, Christ makes no threats. A little child doesn't threaten. There's only a tiny knock on the door, a tiny cry on the porch. But seeing this child from God closed out in a cold world, you can hardly blame an impatient angel for wanting to huff and puff and blow the house down. When Luke tells the story of Jesus' birth, he includes a line that really stands out and sounds like a kind of a scolding. And she brought forth her firstborn child and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. But you can almost see Luke pause right here and just shake his head because there was no room for them. There is hardly ever any room. Knock, 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 went Joseph. How many doors does he have to knock on? Please, please, can you take us in? We don't know anyone here, sir, and my wife is having a baby. Please, please. Sorry, sir, we are all full up. What can we say, mister? We just don't have any room for you. And then it's a kindness when someone does take them out back to a, a shallow cave where there is at least a little bit of shelter and a little pile of straw. But the story itself is adamant, insisting that we never forget no house would have him. As John would later write, he came to his own, but his own received him not. So Christ begins his career as one of the homeless. And the gospel writers go to great lengths in telling his story to show us that in one way or another, he was always outside the door. Whole villages refuse to take him in. His own hometown pushes him out of the meeting house. And we see him moving from town to town to town. We see him sleeping in a boat, his adult manger. We hear him saying, foxes have holes and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And in the end, he dies just as he lived under the sky. And even after that, even after he is risen from the dead, he has to get to his disciples still by somehow coming through closed doors. One of the very last visions we have of him in scripture we heard just a moment ago in the book of Revelation. This is his word. Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you will open to me, I will come in and eat with you and you with me. But I am still standing and still knocking outside the door. When Luke put this line in the Christmas story, he is remembering the whole long painful story of God's homelessness among us in Christ. Mary lays the baby in a manger because there is no room for him with us. I once met a homeless woman. Her name was May. 
She was really able to understand almost nothing of the Christmas story. But when she saw a nativity display, she knew enough to say, the baby in the box is like me. He sleeps under the stars like me. You know, it's easy to over-spiritualize Christmas, and it's easy to over-spiritualize Jesus. There is an image that most of us cherish of Jesus standing at the door of everybody's life, knocking on the door of the heart, waiting to be invited in as Savior and Lord. And I will take us back to that image before we're done this morning, but let's not reduce it all to that. This figure of the closed-out Christ certainly, surely, has to do with our human relationships. This is part of the news of Christmas, that in Christ, God really has come into all human lives, all human flesh, and he walks among us on all human feet and is looking out from behind all human eyes. So when we close anyone out of our lives, it's Christ we have left on the outside of the door. When we grow cold to each other, it's Christ we leave in the cold. When husbands and wives close their hearts to each other, when we are unforgiving of anyone who has wronged us, when we isolate ourselves from any neighbor, when we refuse to welcome the stranger, the door we close is closed on Christ. He is in the spouse, he is in the guilty, he is in the neighbor, he is in the stranger, he is in the elderly, he is in the enemy, he is in the homosexual, he is in the Democrat, he is in the Republican, he is in the poor, he is in our parents, he is in our children, he is everyone over whom we have some power to close the door shut or to open it wide into the room of our love. Now some of us have really fought to invite Christ into our hearts where he has his own private little chamber and where we can tune in and talk with him. But to the extent that anyone, anyone is shut out of our lives, then Christ has a way of disappearing from these hearts. You see, he just refuses to stay in a closed-up room. Where the door is shut on anyone, Christ goes back outside to wait with them, and then Christ knocks on our door on their behalf. Christ knocks on the door of the church, too. We often reduce this text in Revelation to a picture of Jesus standing at individual hearts, doors, but I think that this text goes deeper than that. I think his words are also directed and meant for the church door that Jesus is trying to get into. You see, he is out there where the people are who don't find room in this inn that we are running here. A few years ago, at Christmas time, I joined a group of believers working with some children in the inner, inner city part of Cincinnati. While I was there, a child about five years old, whose name was Roger, walked in. Roger had a swollen lip and a very bruised face, and everyone realized that Roger had been beaten up at home again. The workers were telling the children the Christmas story, how Jesus came into the world long ago, 
and how Jesus keeps coming into the world today to anyone who will receive him. And in the middle of this, Roger burst out through his busted lip, he ain't never been to my house. His slightly older brother was there and he said, Roger, you know he's been to our house, he brought you that truck. And Roger said, I'm not talking about Santa Claus, I'm talking about Jesus, and he ain't never been to our house. Now you and I know that Jesus came to the world with no place more important to be than Roger's house. But if folks like us are so preoccupied, so loaded down, and so busy that we never knock on Roger's door and enter his world and open some doors for entry into our world, then Santa Claus can come and go. But Christ is closed out and still looking for a way into Roger's house and our house too. I don't think that there's any need to imagine that the innkeepers at Bethlehem were especially mean-spirited. We don't see them cursing at Mary or beating Joseph away with a big stick. They don't turn them away with meanness. They turn them away with a shrug. Sorry, we're awful up here. We just don't have any room left. And so it is with us. We are not Scroogey folks. Most of us are not the Grinch on most days. We're really not mean-spirited, and we're pretty tender-hearted, and we really are well-intentioned. We just don't have any room left in our lives. We are all full up. Our schedules are full of commitments. Our minds are full of distractions. Our days are full of work. Our lives are full of pressure. Our spirits are full of exhaustion. Our hands are full of stuff. Our dreams are full of ourselves. There is so little room for Christ in us, not because we make ourselves mean, but because we make ourselves so full. And it's strangely ironic, isn't it, that in this season of all seasons for remembering the child who could find no room because everything was full, we fill up our schedules, our minds, our bodies, and our purchases till we are impossibly full and there is no new room left for Jesus. But if we will stop and listen, 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 we can hear the faint sound of a child knocking. You can hear it if you listen sometimes in those Christmas carols. You can hear it sometimes underneath the voices of children. You can hear it some days hammering through the news. And you can always, always hear it if you stop and listen just on the other side of that hallowed place in your own heart. It is the most gracious sound you'll hear. It means it's not too late, not yet. Christ has not left us. In great humility and in loving persistence, he stands and he waits outside the door of my life and your life and our life together. So now, while we can, we can open new doors to him. 
We can make good on the carol we just sung and let every heart prepare him room. And if there are things in our lives that have filled us up too full and haven't left enough room for Jesus, we can really let them go. We can make changes for this brand new year coming up. Too many possessions, too many pressures, too many commitments, too much worry, too much anger, too much fuss, too much of somebody else's agenda. Let it go. Let it go. Cut it loose. You can simplify. You can carve out some empty, receptive space in your life. Go to the door where love waits like a child to come in. If Christ is born in all the mangers of the world, but never ever finds any real home than us, then he is homeless to us and we are homeless without him. And those that open the door to Christ will always find that he brings the world in with him. So we have a world for a home as well. He also makes it a home for us if we keep the door open. We find ourselves at home in our own hearts at last. Now this morning, this season, let's be still. Let's be still and listen for that still, small voice of a child knocking. Give thanks that you are chosen. Give thanks as you get up to open the door on every new expression of the living Christ that is waiting now to live in you. Let us pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for the gift of your precious Son. Make us empty, Lord, so that we can be filled with your Spirit. Help us to open our hearts to your divine presence and become a reflection of light in a dark world. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.